Okay, you're welcome to Purple Psychology Podcast. You're here with Melanie Hoskin and, of course, Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. Hello. Hi, Nisha. Uh, this is episode 53, and we're talking about negative parenting. This yes. is going to be popular. <laughs> yeah, it's episode 54. What did I say? 53. Sorry. Sorry, 54. <laughs> <laughs> Probably we'll run into 55. <laughs> Quite possibly. Right. I'm sure the parents aren't being negative on purpose. So what sort of things do parents project onto their children? Well, I, I think I've wanted to title this things I've overheard in cafes that do my head in um, <laughs> right this is um, true but we agreed <laughs> yeah um, it's amazing what happens in one cafe visit like the parents usually rush in through the door it's uber controlling there's no sense of fun it's like don't touch this don't do that everything's a problem nobody's happy uh, the parents usually get a takeout coffee which they then juggle along with everything else they probably bought something for the kids to eat there's usually a lot of negative comments around food um, mm. every time i go to a cafe which i'm a bit horrified by if you're going to have a treat it's a treat and I don't think that there should be so much guilt and so much negative association around it. There's no sense of kind of willpower. There's no sense of waiting to enjoy something. Like if it's going to be taken out, why don't you wait till you get home to enjoy it and enjoy the moment? Mm. And why is it sort of scoffed down there and then, you know, without waiting to actually enjoy it or even sit down with it? Like a lot of cultures have a really big problem with people eating food on the go. That's a real um, Western thing that we do. Mm. Like, for instance, you never eat out on the streets in Japan. Um, I, I just don't get the concept, actually, of takeout coffee. Unless, you know, you're going to sit on a, in a park and have it. Or, you know, somewhere like that. I, I don't really understand the concept of actually buying coffee and not sitting down and enjoying it. Mm. I've never mm. understood that. So, mm. there's, so it's all kind of rolled into that. And then there's so many negative comments. Particularly, um, it starts at very young ages, like even at babies, where... Um, two parents will meet up who've probably both had babies recently mm. and there's so many comments like you know and oh my life's over and you know why did I ever do this and mm. oh I don't get any sleep anymore and this is terrible and you know and mm. I saw an artist image recently which I'll put up on a face our Facebook page and you know it's all these negative things seep in mm. to children from very young ages it's like they're told repeatedly oh you're going to be horrible when you're a teenager and then they're kind of predisposed to being horrible when yeah. they're a teenager yeah. it's 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 just fascinating fascinating how how much of this is absorbed and 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 the sort of as, as I said to you, it's like it's like they have this wonderful Hollywood image of what a family is going to be, mm. and then they have a family, and that all gets thrown out the window, which I find really sad. Mm. I just wish that people would stop and think and sort of say, "Oh well, they're not going to be this size forever, and there's so much fun, and we could enjoy this, and this could be good crack, and that thing that they did, or." where they went over and picked up that thing belonging to that person on the table that could be kind of funny like where, mm, where mm. kids are naturally curious mm, and you're mm. constantly sort of stamping on them rather than sort of just letting them be themselves mm. you know do you think society has become impatient with children do you know um that if a child came over to your table and kind of took a knife off you'd be kind of looking up at the parents as if to say correct the correct your child or control your child or do you, do you think it's more of a societal thing as well yeah and, and i also think that people are almost afraid to engage with children mm. as well as you know too like for whatever reason and um, kids are massively gravitate towards me or massively drawn to me mm. and they'll all always kind of pay me attention for whatever mm. reason mm -hmm. and i will smile 
back at them and engage mm, with them because mm-hmm. I, I think that's important to do mm, you know mm. um but like the, i don't know i don't know what it is it's like it's like there's a manual now that people start obsessing when they're pregnant and it's so centered around the child but not in a good way because then you're expecting the world to revolve around the child rather mm. than the child coming into a family unit and coming into mm. your lives mm. and so the whole outlook and the whole mindset has completely changed. Mm-hmm. Do you think the parents are, are, are trying to too hard to control their children now to conform to what society expects, even of really small kids? Well, yeah, there's a sense um, of the fact that we're starting to build people up for what is education, which we're going to record mm-hmm. a podcast on, mm-hmm. and, you know, build people up and, and do skills before mm-hmm. they ever get there and all of that. Yeah. But there's very simple things that people do that I don't understand, like in restaurants where they don't allow the child to pick what they're going to eat, or they order the same meal off the kids' menu for all mm-hmm. three kids, even though one of them says, I really don't want that, I really like so-and-so. Mm-hmm. So you don't give people choices and you don't help them to make decisions and you don't empower them you don't they don't get to communicate they there's so many things in the mix that people aren't thinking about Mm. and then they want them to become teenagers and magically become communicate to them make decisions be responsible for themselves do all these magical things Mm. that you didn't do with them when they were really small i just i just think the Mm. people are rush 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 and they don't actually stop and think Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing at the moment and they're not actually happy themselves and a lot of the negative things that they say are a reflection on their own lives and Mm. what their lives have Mm. become for them Mm. and that they don't realise that they're projecting all that unhappiness onto Mm. their children and then their children react to it and they're grumpy and they're Mm. irritable and then they react to that grumpy irritable Mm. and it's just one sort of vicious cycle Mm. you know and, and they haven't fostered having real uh, time with their family in, in a family unit which mm. is really important so the two things for me that are really important is that everybody has time by themselves mm. and that everybody has kind of good boundaries and that you learn that the parents have got time to themselves that the kid has time to themselves and that you have time as a family mm. and when you see people in a cafe it's a real reflection of whether or not they have time as a family because how they behave outside the house is how they behave in the home as well. Mm-hmm. I just, mm-hmm. I just think there's so many things that people don't think about the implications of. Mm. Do you think that um, we're looking at, at, at how how parents project stuff onto kids? But in terms of parents themselves and going back to the past, I mean, if you went back maybe I don't know 50 years ago, um, kids were pretty much bunched into the same kind of uh, uh, the same kind of channel. Um, you know, a, a lot of older kids looked after younger kids. It would be never done now. Um, children were allowed into the back garden to eat worms if they wanted. It'd never be allowed now. You know, kids had a certain amount of freedom um, to explore, um, you know, their, their external world, which might be the back garden. Um, the doctor was going on about this recently. I don't have the article, but mm-hmm. he was saying, like, you know, the kids don't get to eat enough germs these days and yeah. enough dirt. And they're actually, it's making them more unhealthy. Yeah. That actually our, our homes mm-hmm. are too clean and they're too mm-hmm. clean. They don't get dirty enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so there, there is, there's just, there just seems to be a lack of fun 
Everybody mm. seems to have a lack of fun. Mm. I don't understand like that I prescribe games for families mm. to play and mm. that they don't normally play games. Yeah. Um, and that they wouldn't dream of taking games out to a cafe to play together mm. or simply playing X and O's or having a colouring book or mm. um, bringing their cars out or their bunny, you know, or, or whatever mm. it is. Mm. There just seems to be a, a lack of toys and a lack of fun. Mm. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I just think that, think that things have become very serious and people are, have become allowed themselves to become very pressurised. Mm. That they're so worried about getting everything right that they just don't stop and enjoy it. it there's, there's so many self-development yeah. books on yeah. you know enjoying the moment. Well, yeah. People don't enjoy the moment with their children. But there's also loads of books telling you how to rear your children and what you need to be doing at each stage of a child's life. Um, not not really taking into account that children are individuals. Yeah, and, and a big part of what I do is translating for parents how their child thinks because mm-hmm. sometimes there can be very different personalities in a household mm-hmm. um, and they don't really understand what's going on with their kids. In mm-hmm. fact, there's a really... Um, in, in one of the books on Mary Montessori's life, mm-hmm. she talks about the fact that kids need a lot of order and structure mm-hmm. and that this child was upset um, walking along beside um, its mother. Mm-hmm. And nobody could understand why the child was upset and everything else. And eventually, um, she asked the mother to put her coat back on because the, her she had her coat draped over her arm. And the kids stopped crying because that was what she expected her coat to be. She couldn't understand why her mother didn't have her coat on when she was outside. So it's really mm. funny. Like That's just an example of what mm. goes through a child's mind. They have um, an expected norm of mm. associations and how things should work mm. um, and what should happen. And when those step out of sync, they, they get upset. Mm. But we, we don't always realise that. Okay. You know, one of the most common things I hear parents say now often in jest, of course, uh, is, you know, babies don't come with a manual. It's such a shame. that <laughs> 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 the manual doesn't come out as well with the baby. Our parents, you know, do parents lose sight of their natural ability to parent. For example, when, when, when I brought my son home, I just wanted to be with him on my own. I wanted to bath him on my own just to see how it all worked, so make sure I wouldn't break him, did I dry him properly, you know, and, and just to spend time just figuring this out, how I'm going to navigate being a parent with my son. Yeah, and that takes, it takes a certain amount of um, confidence, I find now. Like, a lot of parents admit to me that they felt really stupid reading to their children mm. and, and reading out loud, and they, they find that quite hard to do. So there's, there's so many th- little things, and you don't get those out of a book. Mm. It, it is just about having the confidence to be yourself mm. um, and to just sort of go with your gut a bit. Um, I, I think there's just too many rules and our parents buying into that to be a great parent I need to do this, this, this and this well, instead I'm a, of I'm a little bit horrified in how many friends I have who become obsessed in reading baby books from the mm. moment that they're pregnant mm. and that there's some sort of complete plan of action they think that's going to happen and then it's almost like as if they feel bad when they don't manage the plan of action because they feel a bit tired. And then they feel irritable <laughs> and get worried and they kind of project that all on as well. And, and you the, know, child's, the child like, is telling them to go to bed. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, oh, you, you're just not conforming to chapter five, yeah. you know. Um, so, but, but people do like it. Like, like all those classes that people do should kind of help them to relax. 
But if anything, the whole system just gets, seems to get people so worried now mm-hmm. that you're going to do everything wrong. And parents kind of compete a bit now, don't they? You know, uh, well, my little fella is nine months and your little fella is nine months, but my little fella's like nearly walking. <laughs> yeah, no, there is a big sense of that too. People coming out and telling you where your kids should be at and what, what weight they should mm. be at and how much they've grown and everything's charted and documented and, mm. and scaled back to some mm. average. So then it's no doubt that when they go to school, yeah. like, oh, but you haven't learned the letters quick enough. Mm. There's a lot in common between how parents feel and how we're getting education wrong. There's a lot mm. of overlap there. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been known to frequent zoos to um, study the behaviour of parents. (laughs) Yeah, I I, I find um, locations like that really fascinating. I don't end up looking at the animals. I'm I'm really fascinated by the amount of people who walk in through the doors of the zoo and expect the kids to engage with it. And I'm really fascinated by the fact that there's a big correlation in non-Irish people coming to the zoo and engaging a lot with their children and pointing things out. I'm, I'm not sure what that's about. Mm. Um, like, you, you have to point out the animals to them and talk mm. to them about them and, oh, isn't it funny that he did that? And, you know, like, I, I find it hilarious when you see the ducks robbing, like, the, the, the broccoli that's supposed to belong to the monkeys and things like that. <laughs> you know, but the, all yeah. those funny little things, mm. they're not pointed out or they're not mm. talked about or... Um, it, it's very strange. So do parents not really engage? They expect their children to engage with the animals, kind of, but they don't engage with their children. Yeah, that's that's essentially what happens. Mm. And then they get bored. They don't really enjoy the experience. Mm. The parents don't really enjoy the experience because then their kids are really grumpy and irritable and moany. Mm. Mm. And, um, and nobody's had a good day out. Because it is an interactive experience, isn't it? It's a, It's in terms of looking at the behaviour of an animal or looking at an animal and talking about it. Yeah. Rather I, than... I, 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 don't, I don't really understand why that's happened. Mm. But it's, it almost feels to me as if parents feel that they've lost control mm. and they don't have the confidence to be themselves. Mm. There's a big sense of that. Like, I, I don't think it's good enough to just say that the parents are not doing this. I think there's a logical reason why they feel they don't, that they can't do it mm. or that they're not doing it. Okay. We were talking earlier about, um, you know, kids in restaurants and especially children that are around a lot of adults and they're given the iPhone or the iPad. And Are you sure you want to start me on this one? <laughs> I'm going there. I want to go there. I just want to see how, how you crack up here. <laughs> but, but, you know, uh, you know, parents taking the easy way out rather than taking the um, the iPad or the phone from the children and engaging with the child because if you take the if you take the device from the child then you have to engage are parents a bit lazy about that well I don't understand first of all why the iPhone is the only thing that came out like mm. I went out with a whole kit you know and um, mm. coloring book coloring I was big into cars, mm. um, whatever was flavoured moment, you know, Lego, mm. whatever. Mm. So I quite often went out with my mini little backpack of things to play yeah, with yeah. to keep myself engaged mm. and entertained. I wouldn't, the idea of going out without mm. something to do was just completely foreign to me. Mm. Um, so first of all, I don't understand why 
the iPhone or the iPad is the only thing that's taken out. Mm. I don't understand why what's happened to all the other things. And I really don't understand when you go to restaurants that do have colourings. Like I'm sitting there, I always do the colourings. And I'm probably, you know, the biggest kid in the room and loads of the kids aren't doing it. And and doing the word searches and the little puzzles. Like I love those, you know, the back of the cornflakes box. So you have this kid, like the worst I've ever seen, a kid with an iPad and they were playing a video and they really didn't want to play the video. And the mother had met her friend and she didn't want to pay any attention. Neither of them wants to pay any attention to the kid. So the kid got so bored that he went over to another family's table and to engage with the children on that table to talk to them because the people he was sitting with weren't talking to him. Gosh, that's awful. It is. It's, it's really sad. Did you actually see that? Happen? I actually saw that. And, and it's, I have seen it more than mm. once. And I've also seen situations where I've, I've sat in a restaurant for several hours with one child at a table, a whole load of adults, and not one of the adults engaged with the child in over two hours. Not once. Okay. Um, and and I, I think that that's quite shocking. It is shocking. It is, it's terrible. It's really terrible. And that, that does sound a bit judgmental, sorry. It does. But... But it is, when when you think about how the child must be feeling. The other side to this is that there's some parents will ask me, you know, should they get an iPad for their kids? Mm. And I'm a big fan on setting set times. And there's an app that you can uh, use, uh, Screen Time, where the the app sets how much time you get on the device. So Mm. there's not arguments from the parents. There's an external thing deciding how much time. Because... Actually, it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, screen time should only be like 30 minutes for most children, max. Mm. Mm. And it only goes up to an hour um, when you're in your teens. Mm. So it, it's quite interesting the, the, how little yeah. time you should be spending. Yeah. And that's all screen time. Like That's actually supposed to include TVs mm. as well as an iPad. So just think about how much um, an Xbox and everything else. Um, so what would, the, what would the effects of... Because there's no way kids spend that little time on devices... Yeah, what are the effects um, of spending too well, there's much been, time on there's it? been a whole load of um, studies on, on brain development. There's obviously huge impacts in terms of communication. Mm. There's, uh, it's supposed to, there's quite a lot of correlation between anxiety. Um, it really affects sleep patterns. And actually a lot of gaming um, causes types of arthritis, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, so all around um, there's huge amounts of, of, of factors in it. Like, mm. Um, mm. But... For me, the biggest one is the lack of communication. Mm. And what I always say to people is that there's some personalities that really, even though it's the easy way out because they don't really like to interact that much mm. with people or they don't find it that easy, the worst thing you can do is give them an iPad. Um, at least if they have a book, they will quite often only read it for a certain portion of time and they might talk about the book. Mm. And it's easier to en- engage people. But if you think about it, like... If you have a phone in your hand and you're waiting for someone to turn up to meet you, the easy thing to do to make yourself feel better in a social situation by yourself is to take out your phone and look, look at it. Like yeah. So it's always the crutch that you go to. So similarly, if you give a, a child that crutch and that tool to always relate back to instead of doing the thing that's a little bit harder, they'll always mm. do the thing that's easier. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of personalities that you really shouldn't give. Um, a device to I feel until they're older or if you do give them a device you really should limit the time that they spend on it and you really should not bring it out in a social setting mm-hmm. so that they don't just stick you know we you know at, at family events or birthday parties mm-hmm. that they don't just take the easy option to go into the corner yeah, with that yeah. and so that they can develop social skills 
rather than being... Yeah, and it might be something that's scary or it's, it's yeah. a harder thing for them to do. But if they don't have the crutch, at least they will try and do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can support them through it. Sleep and children. How important is sleep? Because, you know, you'd often hear... Uh, well, you see a lot of grumpy kids and even grumpier parents. Um, how much sleep do children... How important is it? I was quite shocked by this. School going three to five actually need 14 hours of sleep and five to ten need 11 hours of sleep. And the fact of um, the rat race that we're now living in, people are not actually getting enough sleep. Yeah. And that's the reality. And is sleep patterns is something I deal with a lot in families from different sides. Some kids find it very hard to go to bed if they have a lot of um, if they need a lot of feedback and they're a lot have a lot more sensory sense of self and they they need a lot more engagement mm. um, and so those they can find it hard to go to bed by themselves um, and you really have to give them all sorts of comforts to do that and it, it it's a lot about setting setting boundaries as well and giving them mm. things to do to help mm. them relax by themselves or, and obviously devices are not part of it because it does affect <laughs> your sleep patterns and yeah, yeah. um, but like it's amazing how much pressure that four to five year old bracket of mm. people are on and even up to seven. They've got so much on in the afternoons and they get up so early in the morning because of traffic. Mm. Um, and I'm always trying to schedule appointments earlier because people don't seem to realise that they can't keep going that late into the day. Mm. And again, that's another problem I have with homework yeah. because again, that's pushing things. It's pushing dinner time and meal mm. times later in households mm. so that people are not getting to unwind quick enough. Yeah. So it all has a knock-on effect, yeah. what, what goes on in the, in the family all around. Mm. And in terms of, uh, you say no devices at, at, at night time for children, um, and they need this amount of sleep, and you do need to create a routine that can take some time to develop in, into a routine that is successful yeah. in terms of getting kids off to sleep. What about adults that go to bed and they turn on their iPhone? <laughs> And they have the they have the, the phone charging in the room, or they have. Is there any studies that you know of? Oh yeah, no. There's a or? huge, huge amount of studies on this. Mm. Uh, the golden rule is that you should turn off technology thirty minutes before bed, and preferably um, you should try and charge your voice away from your bed and not okay. in your bedroom. One of the biggest problems, culprits of this, is the fact that people use the alarm on their iPhone. Mm. So if you can have, um, if you do find that you have a real dependency on devices and you think you can't break the habit, um, it's good to have an independent alarm clock or a clock radio or CD or whatever that comes on mm. um, rather than actually relying on your phone because mm. it's one of the reasons for having it in the bedroom. And phone charging beside you, what harm does that do if you have it turned off? Well, unless you have it, if you put it onto aeroplane mode, that's fine because mm. there's, no, uh, there's no signal coming through it. Okay. There's most of the sleep apps uh, that kind of track your sleep and things like that. They will ask you to put it onto aeroplane mode as well. Okay. They'll still work on that mode. And what, how does it affect you? How does um, charging a phone beside you affect your sleep patterns? Um, because it, it does actually have a buzz out of it. And okay. it, 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 does, it, does, it does have a magnetic signal out of it. Um, okay. all, all the time. There's always some, and there's been quite a lot of studies, I think it was in Japan, um, on the effects of Wi-Fi, for instance, on mm. um, women finding it hard to uh, to be fertile. Okay. There, there's a bit of it, there's been a good study on that, and there's a correlation between that as well. And do, they, do these uh, affect your brain waves or...? or... Um, I, I, there's, there's a bucket load of research out mm. there, and nobody's conclusively 
sway yeah, one way yeah, or the other. Yeah. And I'm sure the phone companies yeah. don't want us to either. <laughs> <laughs> to know why. Yeah. All right, I'm going to leave that alone. That was just a little tangent that I went off of. You do a lot of Meyer, Meyer Briggs personality type. Um, should parents be aware of their children's personality types? Is, could, is this part of the problem? Parents just not getting their kids? Some of it is that parents do get their kids, actually. Okay. And that they don't, they don't believe themselves and they sort of believe everybody else. I always okay. find that mothers actually know their kids mm. when they talk to me on the phone. Mm. I use Young and Myers-Briggs for, as a basis for what I do. The thing that's different about my research is that it's the correlation between personality and how you actually process information. And so I don't just use um, the Myers-Briggs questionnaire. I have a sort of an observational method of how people actually go about tasks. Mm. And that's basically the purple profiling. That's how I, I study people, even younger children, in, mm. as to what their personality is and what, what the effects are. Um, I'm, mm. a, a big part of what I do for parents is explain how their kids actually think. And in the same way with adults, I'm trying to give them the elements that they need for their personality I try to give them the elements that they need as a kid. Okay. We've been talking a lot about uh, negative parenting, <laughs> which I'm sure we all love. Uh, let's talk about positive parenting. You know, how do people turn turn this around? What, what kind of advice would you give to parents? Okay. This is going to be a long episode. Right. Um, <laughs> first of all, this is one that we've never been good at. And this mm. is this is going back. This is not new. Um, you need to take the words that you say and look at them very carefully. Mm. And they have all sorts of implications. And we certainly weren't very good at this previously. So you really have to think about what you say and whether it's positive. I think there's a huge amount of books on living in the moment. I think that parents need to start living in the moment. I think they need to realise that they should enjoy this time and set their priorities and stop letting society set those priorities. So have family time and don't let a school dictate to you that a certain book has to be read this weekend. That's really not a priority and there's nothing to stop you as a parent writing in and saying, oh, sorry, well, we went away on a hiking trip this weekend. Mm. We didn't read a book. Yeah. You know, we didn't get time to read that book. And also, too, I find it really tragic when parents don't read the books that they'd like to read to their children. Like, I'm really happy that I had Dr. Seuss read to me. I'm not sure that it's on the school list. And The Wind in the Willows, that was my other favourite as well. So it's for me, it's about stopping to control your children because you feel like you're out of control in your own life. Yeah. Start taking control yourself and start enjoying it. Give your kids choices. Um, you don't feel you have choices yourself, which is a big part of why you're not giving your kids choices. So if you start to make choices for your family, um, you can give your kids choices as well. I always say that you don't always get to pick what you get to do for homework, but you do get to pick what colour page you write it on and what colours you write it with. Mm. You know, yeah. just, just enjoy it. It's, it's, you know, th those moments are going to flash by. They're not going to be this small forever. Mm. And it's a real shame that we've got stuck in a vortex of education and achievement and milestones and some sort of arbitrary scale. Mm. that we're not actually enjoying any of it. Okay. Anything to add? Nope. Well, then we're going to finish this podcast and it's gone way over time. But thank you to the listeners for joining in and thanks a million. Dr. Nisha O'Reilly. Thank you. Bye.